to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 285, recorded May 28th, 2018. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. So today, focusing all on Boldly Go. Right. So we're finishing up our six-parter, I believe. It was a six-parter. Yes. And we split out into three episodes. So this is the final three issues. Uh, boldly go, what is it, 16, 17, and 18. Right. So this is the um, – what did they call it? It's been, it's been many issues ago. So this is um, – It's IDIC. There you go. Three, Idic. Or four through six. Idic, if you're somebody that actually pronounces it. Rather than spelling it. It has dots, so that's why I yeah. uh, pronounced it. There you go. So yeah, so uh, this is a, a good conclusion, I think. Um, it, uh, it's the, if you recall, the last three issues, we've been introduced to a whole bunch of different Kirks from a bunch of different universes. And this just continues that, uh, that storyline as to why are all these Kirks meeting up for the first time. Exactly. What entity is bringing them together. And they're quite um, creative. Some of these alternate uh, Kirks are quite out there. Yes, they really took the infinite possibilities to that level. Right. There are some Kirks that I never thought of there would be a Kirk of that, of that flavor. <laughs> like the uh, plant Kirk. Very interesting. Right. Yeah, but there's there's one that's in in these issues that that I think tops the plant Kirk that we'll talk about later. Okay. I don't want to spoil it if you're not reading ahead. Yeah, well, I think the Scotty Gaseous guy is pretty interesting too. But yeah, he was interesting. Even so, a, even an explosive individual, a character. He's a little hot-headed, that's for sure. Oh, yes. Okay. So, um, if there's no uh, business to discuss, I am happy to begin with part four. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so this is issue number six, uh, number 16. Um, part four of six, writer Mike Johnson, Angela Hernandez is the art artist. Colors by Mark Roberts, letters by Andrew Design, production design Neil Yataki, editor Sarah Gatos, editorial assist by Chase Marotz. Publisher, Greg Goldstein. Okay, we've got four covers. Cover A presents five versions of Spock. Female Spock holding a phaser. Shiny chrome metal robot Spock. Almost human-looking Commander Grayson. Captain Spock in a gold beyond tunic. Um, And then, of course, we've got the big head of plant Spock that's overlooking the other four. And it's got his, he's got his uh, plant hands coming up, too. Like he's holding the other four, kind of, sort of. And uh, he's got a lot of interesting uh, detail in Plant Spock's face. Who, we never see Plant Spock, I don't think, in the book. So at least we see him on the cover, this cover. 
Cover B is one of those uh, Funkio things. They got Kirk seated on the con with his legs crossed and looking comfortably in control. Covers by Mike Martin. The first retailer and set of cover is a photo from Star Trek Beyond of Kirk standing tall in a normal gold tunic. The second retailer incentive variant cover features a cartoony drawing of Kirk and Spock hovering over Lieutenant Ohura, who is manning a control panel on the bridge. The cover is by Yoshi Yoshitani. So many Kirks. The omniscient voice shows Kirk three parallel Kirks fighting the good fight with wits, trust in his crew, bravery, and even, dare I say it, horniness. Number one. Our Kirk is chained up in Queen Khan's dungeon, but is released by T-1000 Sulu, who changes his hands into lethal blades of liquid metal that cut through Kirk's chains easily. Number two. The middle, in the middle of a Romulan invasion of Vulcan, led by Nero and his wife, Valus, Jane Kirk preaches to go on the offensive while Spock and other Vulcans start a planetary evacuation. Number three. Plant Kirk is having a fine time with two green and leafy lovelies on Ryza, while suspicious Ohura, male Ohura, or, while suspicious Ohuro, and Gasbag Scotty are suspicious of the situation they find themselves in. Back to number one. Sulu leads the freed Kirk past the dead bodies of Queen Khan's augmented guards towards Chekhov's prison location. The guards were no match for Sulu's blade hands as they turn a corner where they are confronted with three more guards armed with rifles this time. Number two. Jane Kirk... McCoy and T-1000 Ohura run to the nearest transporter bay with no weapons, but plenty of chutzpah. Number three. Female Captain Spock is attempting to contact Starfleet with a handheld transmitter she has found. She is hoping to enlist their aid as their first step to a solution to their dilemma. Number one. Before the guards can fire on Kirk and Sulu, female Chekhov fires a rifle behind the three guards and takes them all down. Things are looking up, with two loyal crew members coming to Kirk's aid, while Grayson comes upon the group saying escape will prove difficult. Number two. Jane Kirk and her small assault team beams over to Nero's ship, weaponless, and gets moving. Number three. Captain Spock, Ohuro, and Gasbag Scotty walk around Ryza, looping back to Plant Kirk. Number one. Rather than blasting Grayson, Kirk welcomes his apparent change of heart, and the four move out to find a way out of this place. Number two. Ohura uses her built-in phaser to take out a guard that that provides Captain Jane with a pistol. Number three, Plant Kirk is led into a secluded bedroom where he is further seduced. Number one, Grayson says, follow me, and leads trusting Kirk and company out of the palace 
and to an awaiting shuttlecraft. Number two, Jane hears a familiar voice from beyond ask her if she really believed she would not be detected when they beamed over. Number three, a third party enters the bedroom and pays the green lovely as she scampers out of the room well paid. Number one, Grayson suddenly grabs Chekhov's rifle and swings it into her face, destroying her jaw. T-1000 Sulu takes multiple spears to his torso from behind. Number two, Valas holds a gun on Captain Jane, while McCoy is grabbed by two Romulan guards, and T-1000 Ohura is speared through the back. Number three, the orphan ignites a small flame device that lights up his face as he says he is eliminating the competition. Number one. Queen Khan emerges. Grayson is her ally and a cowardly betrayer to our Kirk. Number two. Realization dawns across Jane Kirk's face as Nero chides her for thinking she could possibly take his ship with three people. Number three, Gasbag Scotty is out of his orb container and floating through the passageway like Johnny Storm. Number one, the voice tells Kirk, trust in your crew, who got you through so many tough situations in the past, as Grayson levels the rifle at Kirk. Number two, as did bravery, the omniscient voice says as Captain Jane T. Kirk raises her pistol in a last defiant gesture. Number three, as did charm, the omniscient voice says as Captain Plant runs on on fire out of the bedroom and into the gaseous chief engineer in the hallway. Number one, as Grayson pulls the trigger, and blows our Kirk away, the omniscient voice says, given all the possibilities. Number two, as Jane Kirk is cut in half by a disruptor blast to her midsection, the omniscient voice continues, that every possible scenario will appear. Number three, as a, as a building on Risa erupts due to a gas explosion, the omniscient voice says, even the one Every Kirk refuses to believe in. You know the one. Say it with me. No win. With our Kirk and his entire team dead. No win. With Jane Kirk, T-1000 Uhura dead, and McCoy held as a horrified witness. No win. With leaves and red gas floating around an open crater that Lieutenant Uhura and Captain Spock look into in shock. To be continued. So, in case you didn't read the book, Yes. Kins 1, 2, 3 means that the each page was broken into three panels. The first one was story one, second one, story two, and the third one, story three. Right. So, quite literally, three parallel stories, which almost every page you got a sampling of. Um, it, I'm sure this kind of thing's been done before. This kind of oh yeah. So uh, it was interesting. Um, it was an interesting way to present it, and a very difficult way to summarize. 
Right. Yeah, I didn't talk to you before this, but I was if I was to synopsize it, I would have just done all of one, all of two, and then all of three. But the way you did it was uh, the way it's presented to the reader. Exactly. Because there are things that, especially with the omniscient um, mystery voice, right, um, that it does kind of cut across the three at times. Right. So yeah, so this is a this is a storytelling medium that uh, that only comic books can get away with. Uh, right. You you couldn't do this in a movie. You couldn't have three. I mean, I guess you could, but it would have to actually be. You'd have to be flashing from one to the other. You couldn't have three storylines going on on the same screen at the same time. But uh, but it's uh, kind of an interesting way to tell a story. Yeah, it is. It is. It reminds me a little bit of like back in the in in the. Late sixties or seventies, um, there was some action TV shows. I remember being a kid. I don't don't know whether it was uh, Search. Uh, the name of the show was Search, or was it Probe? That was something like that. Anyway, but the main point is they had three uh, different heroes that did the same kind of thing with the same kind of uh, technological tricks, which is like a miniaturized miniaturized camera that was in a in a pendant. Well, anyway, the main point is, as part of the uh, previews, you know, the opening credits for the show, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, because this is a long time ago, I was a kid back then, but they would have like three stripes, and they were showing some of the different heroes or things going on in the episode. Um, so they had three different actors playing three different characters, but they did the same kind of shtick, because they all worked for the same organization. Right, and they were doing it at the same time on the screen at the same time, but right. in three different. Yeah, well, I think it was three. It could have been. No, I think it was three. Mm. That was something like that. Anyway, so you were kind of looking. Oh, look at all this action, you know? Huh. Well, I did. I never watched Twenty Four, but does did Twenty Four kind of do that too? Oh. Uh, mm, I, I mean, right. I, I've just seen like, you know, commercials and things like that, and it looked like it was in little panels, like a comic book. And I know that the big. The big thing with that is that you know this is real time, so uh, you would have to show multiple things happening at the same time. So I don't know if anybody right. watches Twenty Four, y'all let us know. I-, I never saw an episode, so I don't know. I saw a few episodes. So um, did they do that? I don't remember that. But, <laughs> but are you saying that's part of the credits, or that's something they would do in the middle of the episode? I don't know. I've never seen it, but I thought that the whole thing was that it was real time, and that it's they real would time. show you, but. I thought that if these two things were happening at the same time, they would show you both on the screen at the same time. Ooh. Um, did, did they not do that? Maybe. I don't remember that. But like I say, I only saw like maybe maybe three episodes. Right. And I've seen none, so uh, <laughs> I might be just <laughs> making it all up. Well, it's been on for years. So right. I'm sure that something like that makes a lot of sense. So so anyways, I just – I enjoy it when comic books do this kind of thing where telling – concurrent storylines on the same page right so yeah well as uh, the reader you can shoot you know you're focusing on one at a time so you can keep track of this kind of thing right where yeah uh on a tv it would be you know garbled dialogue from three different stories you, you forget about you can't focus on one right yeah, Ang cool. Lee kind of did that with uh with the hulk movie right did there he was a, there was a few times where it would show Multiple there would be comic book on. panels on there, and it would be multiple things. But sometimes it was just like, you know, the same scene, but from multiple angles. But other times I think it did try to do a montage where it was showing 
multiple things happening at the same time. Nobody was talking, so that, that helps. Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of those, you know, those kind of things where, um, you know, like when the A team is like putting together something for the big finale or something, and they're all just working rather than just having one picture montage. Uh, it make a lot more sense to have multiple pictures going at the same time. Nobody's talking. They're just prepping. They're just welding on some extra thing on that poor van or whatever they did to prepare for the for the conflict. Um, yeah, that kind of thing could work with that kind of right. You know, multiple multiple video going at the same time. I Something need to watch the A Team one of these days. You never seen it? Mm-mm. They got Starbuck in it. And stuff. So. Uh, the original Starbuck. The guy. Oh, really? She's in it? Oh, the original Starbuck. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Ben- Dirk Benedict? No, that's not right. I don't remember. Whatever his name was. Um, yeah. So. Well, something I found interesting about this is they do something you don't see that often unless maybe you're watching a, a recent Marvel movie, is they killed... <laughs> they, they killed the heroes off in, uh, in the three parallel stories, at least most of them. I mean, some people were captured uh, or not dead. But, I mean, for the most part, you know, Kirk is dead in all three. Um, right. So usually they don't kill off heroes like that, especially in Star Trek, uh, right. except for Tasha, whatever. So, and Spock. Uh, well, yeah, and then they bring him right back. <laughs> Of, of course, we haven't got the next issue yet. Who knows what could happen? But the main thing is I kind of – because I mean, they made a big point of this. Um, Kirk doing what he usually does and the things he usually relies on to, to, to save the day and win the battle uh, in all three instances didn't quite work for him. Right. And he ends up dead. So I thought uh, that was uh, at least new, new for Kirk. Right, and it's our Kirk, right? I mean, Jane Kirk and Plant Kirk dying, you're like, okay, that's not, that doesn't really affect me very much. You know, sad that somebody died, but uh, that's not going to affect me next month. <laughs> but our Kirk died. Yeah. Fine, Kirk died. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, and By you know, racing. and you know, Plant Kirk, it's like, I, you know, I, I really don't care about Plant Kirk, uh, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Because um, he's just a horn dog. I, ah! I hate that. That's his only character trait in this in in his story. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's a plant. I got a blanket. <laughs> um, and, and you know, Kirk sometimes played the romance card, but that usually didn't save the day, uh, right? Uh, sometimes he he was able to to woo the girl and to, to befriend someone to get some some something done. Something okay, done. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But it's not the main thing. I mean, depending no. upon your crew, big time. Especially in the in the uh, reboot movies. Um, right. Yeah, him, him wooing people is more of the stereotypical what people who aren't really fans of Star Trek know about Star Trek. Right, you ask anybody about Star Trek, they're going to be like, oh yeah, that guy with the pointy ears and the one that kisses all the girls. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the two things that people know about Star Trek that have never actually watched it. Right. So I, I I didn't really care for that that storyline, the right. rise of thing, and they kept saying you know there's there's pheromones everywhere, but uh, you know Scotty and Kirk were the only ones affected. Why was uh, the Gaiahura not affected in and Spock? Yeah. yeah, I would think Gaiahuru or Haru, whatever, 
uh, should be just as affected. But right, and I think that it should have like triggered her pawn far or something if it was really as prevalent and intoxicating as they made it out to be. Right. That's interesting. I never knew that uh, Ryza had pheromones pumping in the air. I don't remember them ever saying that in yeah, Next they Gen. Never said that. So I was kind of wondering if that was, you know, whoever this uh, entity is was was doing to this Ryza. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of questions, not a lot of answers. There you go. Just go with it. So I thought um, Angel Hernandez did a nice job with the art in this one. I think yeah. the. I think people's faces are are pretty spot on. Um, I think when T-1000 Sulu took those spears in the neck and the back, I thought that was really drawn, really violent and believable. Um, well, well, not intense. only that, but on the same page, you got Ahura getting stabbed through the back too. Yep, yep. So, yeah, that that as a combo on the same page was uh, pretty pretty graphic, I thought. Yeah. Not Which, really graphic because it's not bloody, but... You know, you are seeing something going through somebody. Exactly. And I think because you actually saw uh, Sulu's face, um, at least it, it got my attention more. Because you're seeing the reaction. Ah! Zack! So that must be electrical shorting out or something? Yeah, I don't know. But I've seen I've seen Terminator, and, and I know that Spears and projectiles do does not hurt them so no. i don't know why these two <laughs> are taken out that way well it, it's necessary by the story i guess yes right but yes um yeah they're right next to each other aren't they and then on the bottom of that page you're just mentioning is the uh unveiling of the orphan in 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 match light or whatever bic light whatever that thing is um that's a really a cool page Right, I think that's really nice artwork. Anyway, but but we've seen Angel Hernandez a bunch mm-hmm. uh, in, in many other comics, and he always does a really nice job. Uh, I think on the next page, past the one you were just mentioning, uh, Jane Kirk's face in the middle panel, right? Very lovely, very nicely drawn. And then on the bottom of that page, I, I love how they got Gas Bag Scotty floating around like. Uh, uh, you know, like like the Human Torch. I thought that's great. Yeah, which is kind of funny since in the next page he actually goes up like the Human Torch. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so that's cool. So I don't so know when if you I... said that. I was like, is he doing that to kind of plant the idea that this guy's about to to go boom, or just because that's what he looked like? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not do that purposely. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he looked like Johnny Storm. Right. No, I totally get it. Yeah. Um. And then the actual – and now the next page at the bottom where they actually show the specter of Plant Kirk running out of the uh, bedroom on fire. I mean mm-hmm. that looks – that's kind of creepy and like, oh my gosh, that's intense. And then Scotty's like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that he was so combustible. Well, apparently so. And it's like, if you were that combustible, would you really be well-positioned to be an engineer? I mean, how does he do his job? He's usually in his little sphere. He's only out of the sphere because he was... uh, Why was he out of the sphere? Intertwining with some other gas bag. Oh, oh, is that why he was out? I don't think so. I think he was... I think they they had to make this explosion happen. So I think that's cool and everything. But they really didn't explain anything. Uh, Could he move faster 
if he wasn't in the orb so he could like search more quickly? Okay, maybe. Um, anyway. Uh, but I think that was really cool. Yeah. My, uh, that, that panel there really reminded me of um, Swamp Thing. Uh, not just because the guy's on a, a plant, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a very famous cover um, of Swamp Thing where it shows Alec Holland being all covered in the, the fire and stuff and running into the swamp. And uh, this panel really reminded me of, of that. Ah. So I don't know if it was intentional. Right. You know, that the plant guy is being burned up like that, like that pretty famous cover of Swamp Thing, or if I'm just, uh, I'm just connecting them too because, you know, I like Swamp Thing and, and this guy is a plant guy. Right, right. You know, I didn't even think of Swamp Thing um, when, they ha- when they showed Plant Kirk, but that makes a lot of sense that they might have gotten a little bit of inspiration from Swamp Thing on this. Right. So as far as the artwork goes, um, my only complaint, and it's, it's a, very minor complaint is that girl Chekhov and girl uh, um, Spock, Kirk. Oh, okay. Kirk. Yeah, they look too much alike. Oh, so like, like there's from there's a the distance top story. In the top story, girl Ahura or girl Chekhov shows up, and when I'm reading it, I'm like, oh man, when did Jane? When did uh, Jane Kirk show up in this storyline? And then I was like, oh no, that's supposed to be Chekhov. Yeah, and then when it shows them all dead, that's when it was like, you know, it, it's just they're you know a blonde brunette, a blondish brownish hair, long long haired, yeah, in a yellow tunic. They kind of look exactly the same. Exactly, yeah, because their hair does look like this, definitely the same color, both shoulder and length, the same style. Yeah. So. Yep. Good point. So that was my own. My, that that was the only time that it kind of took me out as who who was who. Right. You know. I needed I needed Chekhov to be you know pronouncing those K's instead of C's to know <laughs> that that's not Jane Kirk exactly. So um, Spock, Grayson, what a jerk, huh? Yeah, he's kind of not nice guy. No, not a nice guy at all. And all he wants to do is is get that shuttle and just get out of Dodge, which okay, right. self preservation. Um, but what about what about that Chekhov? I mean, he he feels not. I mean, I know it's not his checkoff, but come on, um, he may hate Kirk uh, or the uh, what or the orphan, but I don't know. It just seems ridiculous. Oh, I did get that right, right? Did yeah, I no, you got it right. right. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, so they're, they're kind of all mixed together, so it's a little confusing. But yeah, Chekhov, and even though the Sulu guy is like a robot kind of thing, it's, you right. know, he knows Sulu. Um, he's a crewmate. Anyway, no, I'm with you. I I uh, I, I really thought this was part of a ruse. I expect mm-hmm. I expect in the next issue that uh, that uh, you know whenever he gets Khan into a um, you know to let her defenses down, then Kirk and and Chekhov would pop back up and find out they were only stunned. Right. So only a flesh wound. We'll see if that happens. Yeah. So I thought it was absolutely ridiculous for Jane Kirk to be leading her little team onto Nero's ship. But I, was, I just reminded myself that that's what Kirk did in Spock, and there's only two of them in the 2009 reboot movie. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, man, you're, what are you doing going on that ship? Uh, but that's what, that's what they did, and they, right. they came out smelling like a rose pretty much. Um, exactly. 
So, yeah. Yep. And she's already done it once. So this is, for her, this is the second time she's done it. Because uh, she did it in her timeline, and then now she's doing it again in, in this in this universe. Oh. She actually says that's that. Right. She says, you know, in my, when, when it attacked Earth, yeah. my Spock and I beamed over and we did the whole jellyfish thing like, like your Spock did. Right, right. Gotcha. There you go. So, so she didn't have again. an advantage. She, she'd done it before. Right. She's been <laughs> on the ship before. I, I was, uh, um, I was sad to see Valis. Hold on. Is that in this one? Never mind. Sad to see Valis as a bad guy. Yes. Well, we have been seeing her as a bad guy recently. I still think she's not in, really in the a more, bad guy. I don't know. But I, but I guess that's what makes her interesting, right? Because right. you really don't know 100% what her deal is. I right. mean, it, it appears as if, in the more recent issues, she's gone over to be a, a Romulan, um, a true Romulan. Right. But then However, they made it, she did it because they threatened, uh, the Romulans threatened to, to kill Kirk, right? And that's why she agreed to go. Well, I, did, they, did they threaten to kill Kirk or they just said, she needs to come with us, period? No, nah, there was some ultimatum, and then Kirk was like, "No, I'm. I would never let her go. Uh, I don't. I, you know, I don't care if we have to keep fighting you and and possibly die." And then she's like, "No, I'm going." So well, there, I know there that's was for the whole something crew. happened where she 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 went. Well, yeah, not necessarily under duress, but she she chose to go. Yeah. But it was because she was saving somebody else. I can't well, remember. Well, she was saving the whole crew. Probably. I mean, the ship was still in Romulan territory. They took care of the Borg threat, but they still had to get out of Romulan territory, right? Right, something like that. Anyway. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. So that's why I keep waiting for her not to. She's going she's gonna to be a good guy again. You just wait, Ken. Well, we'll find out. We thought, uh, I, I know I thought um, Grayson was going to turn. You said the same thing earlier in the synopsis, or early in the commentary. So, and he didn't. Well, we don't know that yet. I'm so far. Okay, well, let's get the next issue. He's going he's gonna to turn. Like I said, it's all a ruse. He's gonna, the other Kirk's going to pop up. It's all going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anything else about this one? Uh, nope. I, I kind of wish we would have seen more of Khan. Uh, at least this issue, I think we find out that she is on Earth. So we got that going yeah. on. Yeah. That Khan has taken over Earth, where last issue we thought that it was just some other planet. Maybe Seti Alpha 5, we didn't know. Well, I think they, I mean, didn't they say in this, in that parallel uh, universe? They said that they won the eugenic war, but right. we didn't know if that was still Earth or if they just, you know, like the Federation expanded, that, that that's possible. Augment. Warriors expanded, but yeah. but here we know that this is actually just Earth, right? Because she did control; she would have controlled Earth, whether right. she actually was on Earth or not, or maybe had some other capital, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. Anything else? Nope. Number sixteen. All right. Let's move on to seventeen. We're going to do them in sequential order for some reason. It makes sense. I know, right? Uh, yeah. Just a little idea I had. <laughs> All right, so 17 came out in February of 2018. It is written by Mike Johnson, art by Marcus Toe, 
Colors by Marissa Louise. Letters by Ann World Design. Production design is Neil Yutaki. Edit Sarah Gatos. Editorial assist by Chase Marotz. And publisher Greg Goldstein. And since this is an IDW comic, there are tons of covers. The first cover is by Marcus Toe. And it shows uh, it's in three different uh, panels or three different rows of panels, kind of like the last comic book was. Uh, the first one shows uh, Sulu in various different forms. So there's a normal Sulu, a long-haired Sulu, and then a Vulcan Sulu. The second row are Scotty. So we have normal Scotty. We have uh, the evil Scotty because he has the ISS uh, logo on his chest instead of the normal Starfleet. And then the last one is, uh, I forgot the name of the species, but it's the uh, half black, half white uh, species from the original series. And then the last one, I believe this is McCoy. Uh, he's a very rugged looking guy, uh, but it's all blue. So it's kind of like hard to tell if it's for sure McCoy. But the first one is normal McCoy. The next one is goateed McCoy. And the last one is Andorian McCoy. The uh, the next cover, the B cover, this is by uh, Fico Osio, and uh, this is kind of shows the Starship Enterprise kind of zooming past us with a little rainbow coming behind it, kind of like uh, the original movies. And then within the rainbow, we have uh, all the different crew: Spock, Kurt, Sulu, Ahura, McCoy, and Scotty, or maybe that's Chekhov. Um, all in different poses, kind of like standing within the uh, the rainbow swoosh. It's kind of a cool cover. Uh, the next one, the uh, retail exclusive uh, or incentive. Uh, this is a photo cover, which is, I think that's uh, Chekhov and Kirk, kind of like within an explosion from Star Trek Beyond. And then the other retail in, uh, retail exclusive is by Yoshi. Yoshin, Yoshitini, and it's a uh, depiction of Ahura with her phaser, and then behind her we see uh, the spiral galaxy of the Milky Way. So this story starts off with Cadet Kirk waking up in his Starfleet Academy dorm room, with Gary Mitchell telling him, get up, it's time to get up. Kirk tries to tell his friend that he had this very vivid dream. It's like it was in the future, but in another universe, and blah, blah, blah. He couldn't, he couldn't quite put his finger on it, but it was so vivid. Gary does not seem all that concerned and tries to get him to hurry up. All the while, we see some uh, thought balloons or thought bubbles uh, saying that he can't believe Kirk is so small-minded that he hasn't figured this all out and that it, the other stuff, his dream, wasn't, in fact, reality. The two humans make their way to a large assembly hall where Kirk finds himself face-to-face-to-face-to-face-to-face with hundreds of different versions of Kirk. Kirk watches as some of his other stelves start to fight with each other, and then there's soon a whole brawl with all the, with all the Kirks fighting each other. Kirk then realizes that uh, what he previously thought was a dream was indeed reality, and then he notices Gary's glowing eyes. Kirk demands to know why Gary is doing this, and also why he's not still dead, from uh, issue number two of the Star Trek Ongoing from several years ago. Gary explains that he cannot die and that he spent all this time becoming more powerful. 
But regardless to how powerful he got, he always had the itch of James T. Kirk that he could not quite scratch. Now, he's going to scratch all of the Kirks throughout all of the multiverse. Gary shows off his powers by snapping his fingers in a very Q style and teleports Kirk and himself to the bridge of the USS Enterprise, captained by a bearded George Kirk. Then another snap, and they are at the White House lawn on Earth with Romulan banners flying everywhere. Another snap, and we see Grayson shooting Kirk in front of the female con, as we did in last issue. Gary tells Kirk that he put all of the other Kirks into no-win scenarios, and that in most, of the, in most of the scenarios, Kirk's charm and bravery and intelligence were not able to allow him to win. He does, however, concede that there were a few Kirks that were able to persevere, much to his displeasure. And then we see a shot of a female Kirk standing atop of a pile of dead Borg bodies. Then we see a Kaiju Kirk fighting a giant insect humanoid throughout what looks like a modern cityscape. Then we see a final Kirk knocked out and under the foot of Jayla from Star Trek Beyond. Which doesn't look like he won that one, but okay. Finally, Gary takes Kirk to where it all started. The planet where Kirk killed Gary after Spock had nerve-pinched him. Gary then takes Kirk to Gary's funeral, where the young captain had many nice things to say about his former friend. Gary keeps telling Kirk that he has finally lost a no-win scenario, and that all the Kirks will soon be dead. Kirk tells him that a true no-win scenario is not about dying himself, but it is about losing the crew. Through some very obvious reverse psychology, which Gary even points out, Kirk is able to convince Gary to give him some of his omniscient power so that they can play on the same playing field and truly find out who is the best man. To be concluded. So, Gary Mitchell. Hmm. You called it. Yes, well, how many omniscient... Uh beings do we have for Kirk to uh, <laughs> deal with? We, I think we talked about a lot of them in, in last yeah. week. Yeah, and you were the one that brought up Gary Mitchell, which I hadn't even thought of. Yeah. I kept getting stuck on Q and Trelane. Yeah. Or the, uh, what were the other ones? The Andorian, not the Andorians. Um, yeah, the Organians. Or, yeah, Organians. Yeah. So but I they really were, thought it was they were always such nice people. Yeah. Right, right. They had the power, but probably not the uh, desire to use it. Right. Yeah, I don't know why I never thought of Gary Mitchell until you said it. And then once you said it last week, I was like, ah, that's it. Yeah. And then so when I read this one, I was like, yeah. Ken was right. Now, so it remind, I did not remember the details of how that ended because they did we've, – we've seen Gary Mitchell pop up a few times. But um, did, did IDW – so IDW actually did do a Gary Mitchell one where this whole thing they played out where Spock nerve pinched him and then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was then, issue number one and two of the original Star Trek ongoing. Oh, wow. One and two. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I didn't, I didn't remember those details, but um, interesting. So Kirk had to blow him away point blank with the phaser rifle to the head. Okay. Right. Um, so he got better, apparently. 
right. so he shot him when he was human, right? The eye, the light was out of the eyes, right? And, and he blows him away, but he ended up coming back eventually, right? Okay, right. And then he does talk about the multiverse, and he says that out of all the other Gary Mitchells, he's the only one that got the power from the edge of the galaxy. Oh. Which we know is not true because we've seen Shatner Kirk's Mitchell get the same power. So that is one of the universes in the multiverse. I think you're right. That's a very so, good point. I was a little upset that he said that uh, just because I've already seen another one. Yeah. But how um, messy would it be if I – mean, I understand why they said that for the story because how messy would it be if there were multiple Garys? But right. you, you have a very good point. You at least have one more. Right. And then Kirk keeps saying – there has to be other ones because it's infinite. You couldn't have destroyed all the other Gary Mitchells because he said he did that. Oh. Or does he say, is that the next issue? Sorry. We might be jumping ahead. Oh, okay. Um, Regardless, uh, there should be other Garys out there. Right. With the power. Right. But I did like how Kirk used you know the normal reverse psychology and then Gary's like – that's so stupid. You know that's not going to work on me. But <laughs> I'm going to do it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I guess it did. <laughs> I guess it did work. You are so gullible, God guy. Yeah. So. Uh, I just. I, I thought one of the coolest parts of the, of the issue, though, was the Kaiju Kirk. Yeah, that was. The so that was one. like. What the hell? I was uh, he's he's fighting an insect guy. But wait a minute, are those buildings? Wait a minute. He's ki- he's he's Godzilla. He's he's Godzilla Kirk. Whatever. With yeah, uh with like insect eyes or something. Um Yeah, no, he has like uh like werewolf features, I guess, like kind of a a, a werewolf nose and ears and and insect eyes, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so they couldn't That's have him be not. No. So they couldn't have him just like like human Kirk, uh, like I don't know how many hundreds of feet tall. Uh, they had to make him kind of, well, quite frankly, a little scary looking. Right. Pointed ears and everything. Right. Anyway, I, I thought that was funny. I was not expecting a, a kaiju Kirk. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. That was creativity. I like it. Right. Yeah. And, but that kaiju Kirk is not there in the assembly hall. At the beginning. No, I'm pretty sure not. He would probably win (laughs) when they all start fighting, yeah. Would have probably been a little noticeable if there was a, you know, 200-foot Kirk sitting in the back. Exactly. I didn't like that all the Kirks fought each other. I could understand the orphan, and maybe there's a few other ones, but Kirk isn't going to just start fighting people. I mean, I know that that happened a lot in the old show, but it usually wasn't him. Well, yeah, he wasn't the one instigating things usually. Right. So I could see the uh, orphan starting something and then maybe a couple other ones fighting back or, or trying to – and then the other ones would be trying to stop it. So Yeah. Uh, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Didn't make sense. But I was glad to see Plant Kirk and Female Kirk all back to life in, in the assembly hall. Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought they did a, a very good job of coming up with interesting new ideas we haven't seen before. So um... – that's one of the things I like about this issue the most. Yeah. And I, I like the idea that that uh, Gary Mitchell's back and that he's going out and uh, 
you know, basically being this this universe's Q. Right. Even though we've seen Q before, but yes. Yeah, I know. So since he showed up and he seems to have the same snapping powers like Q does, I was like, I kind of wish they would have not brought in Q and then just did him. You know, Gary Mitchell brought them to the DS9 universe and all that right. stuff that that they did in the Q episode. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's just me, though. Yeah. So, so Gary, the whole boundary of the galaxy and the whole zapping and turning them into gods and things, it's like, wouldn't you think the Qs would do something to put an end to that boundary or something? Right. I mean, does that yeah. seem like, hey, we don't want you to be godlike people. Yeah, let's, let's, let's take care of that over there. We can do anything. I don't know. It just seems a little odd that such a thing could be going on where you could have somebody – and Gary's – well, he said before in, the, in, in last week's issue something about the Qs being like nothing. Right. He has become yeah. that powerful. He's, he's above the Q continuum. Right. Very odd. But yeah, I, I really don't get Gary's uh, motivations at all. I mean he, yeah, I know he became God and ultimate power corrupts absolutely – but I still don't get the uh, motivations. He's so angry and stuff. At Kirk. Which, uh, yeah. Kirk didn't even do anything. I mean, well, Kirk he did kill him, but he had to. He had no choice. He didn't right. want to. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't when he was like turning human and, and he was kind of turning back to the God thing, didn't he say, do it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, he, and then he, I, I don't know if it was this issue, but. But he does mention that the human uh, Mitchell is not the same as the godlike Mitchell. He actually kind of looks down on when he was human, right? As if it was a different person, right? So, but yeah, when when he was nerve pinched, he begged he begged Kirk to shoot him before he got his powers again, right? And Kirk did it to save the universe. Yeah. Right. So there was two coffins there in this issue uh, when they're at the funeral. Do you remember who the other coffin was for? Uh, Daner? Nope. It was not Daner. Because I kept, I kept thinking that too, so I had to actually go back and look it up. Who was the second person? Kelso. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Mitchell forces Kelso to shoot himself in the head. Okay, as opposed to the cable coming up from behind and choking him, like in the original Taws episode. So, but there was a Daner, wasn't there? I don't think so. They didn't, no, they must have had Daner. They didn't have Daner? Okay, whatever. I only looked at the second issue, uh, so maybe she was in the first issue, but she didn't get the powers like uh, like she did in the original. Okay, okay. Well. I don't think she was in it. Okay. That's because it's a different universe, Ken. Things are slightly different. Just slightly, like entire people could be erased. So in the original show, um, do they both get the powers from the edge of the universe, or does Kels, does um, Mitchell give her powers? No, they both get it. It's okay, just that Gary's came on faster than hers, maybe right. because he had a higher Esper rating than she did. Oh, that's right, the whole psychic rating. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm wondering about is, um, it's something you alluded to. So in those dimensions where Kirk actually was victorious despite everything, 
what the hell did that third one mean where Jayla had him dead with a spear through right. him? Right. What did that even mean? Oh, you think that spear? Oh, I thought she was holding the spear. No, it's stabbed in his chest. It's stabbed in his chest. So oh, she, wow. you know, her fighting stick, basically. Yeah, which, yeah. Which didn't have a spearhead or anything, but it's her fighting stick, and it's plunged into his chest. Yeah, I didn't even realize that it was plunged in. Man, that that is. Yeah, that's not a win. <laughs> no, it's a. I mean, uh, she's hot and everything, so that's fine. But no, that's not a win. <laughs> yeah. So. So uh, that makes no sense. Yeah, it's nice to see her in the book. Yeah. It, well, uh, Maybe she has it in her contract that she has to be in so many Beyond books. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it was interesting. My wife and I watched uh, Fahrenheit 451, the new uh, Michael B. whatever um, movie. Um, Michael B. not Jones. He's the guy that was in Black Panther, the bad guy. Oh, um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay, well, whatever. So he was involved in the production of uh, another Fahrenheit 451 um, movie, and um, she was in it. Oh, uh, the, really? the actress that played Jayla. Yeah. Um, and of course, um, so was General Zod, uh, Michael. Oh, uh, not not Terrence Stamp. No, not no, not Darren Stamp. <laughs> no, the guy uh, Michael Sher- uh, Shannon. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's very good. So, um, anyway, I just thought I'd mention Jayla without the makeup. Uh, wasn't she the? She was also in the Mummy, right? Wasn't she the Mummy? In the was she one? the Mummy? I never saw the movie. I don't know. Man, I might be making that up. No, could be. She's in a lot of things. She was in um, Atomic Blonde. Oh, yeah. I wanted to see that. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, uh, she's in a lot of stuff. And the first time I ever saw her was in Kingsman. She was the chick with the... Uh, oh, the metal legs. With the metal legs, right. So, anyway. Yeah, no, it's the same girl. Yeah. She's going to be in Ho- Hotel Artemis, too. That's cool. What's Hotel Artemis? It looks a lot like Atomic Blonde and John Wick, where it's like this... There's a secret society of criminals and hitmen and stuff, and then the Hotel Artemis is uh, basically a hospital where they can go to, and you know there's these rules where you can't have weapons and you can't, uh, oh okay, you can't kill anybody and things like that, and oh. it, and and it has Jane Foster, um, uh, Gar- uh, what's his name, Jane Foster, uh, not Jane Foster, <laughs> Jane, uh, yeah, Foster. The one from Panic Room? What's her name? Jane Foster, right? I don't know. I don't know. I you know who that. she is. I, I thought I thought that was like Hulk, uh, Thor's girlfriend or something, but okay. Um, no, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> you know who she is. He's super famous. Jodie Foster. Jody oh, Jodie Foster. Foster. Okay. <laughs> okay. Jodie Foster. Oh yeah, and she's got all the makeup on. She looks kind of old. Yeah, she looks really old. She looks older than she really is. Although yeah. she's she's kind of getting up there in, in age. And Jeff Goldblum and Zachary Quinto. Oh wow, there's a lot of good people in that. Dave Batista, it's an all-star cast. Oh yeah, actually he's in it a fair amount. Yeah, he seems he played, to be. He's like an orderly, he's right? Like this big hulking uh, doctor. Orderly guy. Yeah. Oh, he's a doctor. I don't know what he is. He's a medical staff because he makes a big deal in the commercial. Like you see this badge, and he's a, and it's he's in a you know surgeon uniform, right? But he's this giant, which is kind of you know it's you know that that 
doctors can't be bodybuilders or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, but anyways, uh, enough of a tangent. But I, I think it's cool because it kind of matches with uh, um, John Wick and and what I've seen of uh, uh, Atomic Blonde. Cool. Which I was like, that'd be kind of cool if that was in an extended universe. Hmm. Well. But I haven't seen Atomic Blonde, so I don't know. Maybe Atomic Blonde is all spy stuff. No right. assassin stuff per se. It's all spy stuff. Yeah. Is it good? I liked it. And he's got some it's got some kick ass action. Um I mean it's really kinetic and visceral right. kind of uh, violence going on. Um You know, it's cool. like yeah. It, it's it's like a bond thing where it's like it's just like moving forward. You know, right. the fight scene just goes from one thing to the next thing, it's everything's moving. Uh so you don't actually stop to actually think about the fact there's very little plot. Ah, that's too bad. <laughs> anyway, I, I liked it. I liked it. All right, cool. Next one? All right. So uh, yeah. well, let's talk about the art style because it is okay. a different artist. It is. Uh, what do you think? I think it was a good job. I liked it. I think uh, I, I liked um, the previous one better, but um, I, I think it was good work. I, yeah. I, I I like Kaiju Kirk. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I, I think their faces lost a little bit of detail from from the last issue, mm-hmm. but uh, but you always knew who everybody was. Yeah, I mean, since half of them were Kirk, anyways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, no, I just I was wondering if you thought maybe it was a little too cartoony because I know sometimes uh, you don't, I don't like think... it when they go that direction. Yeah, I don't think they went too far in that direction. Although you're right, it is a little bit more, a little bit more Archie-ish, <laughs> ish. Right. But I liked it. I, I liked it. It's a nice, clean. Yes. You know. Yep. It's a it's a clean art style. It's just like mm-hmm. it could be a cartoon. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to see what you thought. Cool. All right. Let's see how this all wraps up. Okay. Issue number eighteen. This is part six. Of six. Writer Mike Johnson and Ryan Perot. Art by Josh Hood. Yet another artist. Colors Jason Lewis. Letters and World Design. Production Design Neil Yataki. Editor Sarah Gatos. Editorial Assists Chase Marotz. Publisher Greg Goldstein. Four covers. Cover A features the primary bridge crew. Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, Scotty, Sulu, and Chekhov. Standing on a rocky planetary surface with the uh, saucer section of the Enterprise in the background. And note, it does say NCC-1701. No A's or anything. Cover by Josh Hood. Cover B is a drawing of Spock, Kirk, Uhura, looking up at the Enterprise B under construction above them. Cover by Eowyn Marone. No idea if I got that right. The first retailer instead of cover is a photo from Star Trek Beyond of Spock in a USS Franklin jacket and holding a phaser. And he looks like he's ready to use it. The second retailer instead of variant cover features a cartoony drawing of Spock and McCoy facing each other with an almost angry look on their faces. The Enterprise is blasting off, trailing flames in the space between them. Um... Cover by Yoshi Yashitani. 
Kirk makes a supplemental log entry that simply starts with, I'm a god now. Points for originality, but really he is. His eyes are sparkly blue, just like Gary's now, and his log continues to say he can see everything, everyone, everywhere. At every point in time across all infinite realities, which sounds like it covers pretty much everything. At least he has that much going for him, and he'll need it. Sitting across a three-dimensional chessboard in a rec room is Gary Mitchell, and they are about to play a game. They move versions of Kirk and his bridge crew across the 3D chessboard, which causes them to do battle in one another's reality. Um, Now that God Jim Kirk and his friend Gary Mitchell can call all of these things into being with a thought. Gary wants to prove Kirk's fallibility, prove him a fool for believing there is no such thing as a no-win situation. Kirk confidently plays the game, asking Gary to please continue to underestimate him. 1. On an Earth ruled by Queen Khan, she walks with Simon Grayson, who just killed Jim Kirk, and likely Chekhov in cold blood. He says he just wants a shuttle, and she will never see him again. Number 2. On the Narada... McCoy is telling Nero how, in his reality, Nero was defeated completely by Jim Kirk and his crew. Nero says he is sure he will do better this time. Number three, on Ryza, Ahuro and female Spock are examining the remains of Plant Kirk, who had significant portions of his body burned away. The orphan and two Klingon thugs confront them. Suddenly, the orphan and female Spock are beamed away and replaced with our McCoy. In the confusion, Ahuro shoots both Klingons. McCoy says he can use a cellulose regenerator on the charred plant kirk. They start working on a plan of escape. On Vulcan, Spock and Ahura see their hopes of evacuation vanish as Nero and the Romulan fleet lay waste to the Vulcan transports. On Narada, Nero gives the order to activate the drill. Suddenly, female Spock, armed with a phaser, appears out of nowhere and shoots Valus and Nero. Phasers are not set to stun. Female Spock moves to Narada's transporter controls and beams up Spock and Uhura from the Vulcan surface. On Earth, Queen Khan makes a shuttle available to Grayson. They both hear a huge explosion in the city. A voice from the Queen's throne chides her that she is far from safe in her own palace. The orphan is lounging on the chair with dead tigers and guards all around. He says he freed the slaves from their cells and they are coming back with a vengeance to take back Earth. The Queen gives the order to execute the orphan, but Spock merely shoots the Queen and her guards. A deadly battle royale breaks out between the orphan and Grayson, as the orphan says, Let this be our last battlefield. Ahuro, McCoy, and a recovering plant kirk are escaping Ryza in a shuttle. A Klingon ship is pursuing them when plant kirk comes 
2 and tells McCoy he has a message for him from McCoy's Jim Kirk. Cut back to the 3D chess game. That is not really 3D chess. Gary and Kirk continue the game, but for all the successes Kirk has started to rack up, Gary points out that he has lost more realities to the Borg taking out Jim Kirk. The kaiju Jim Kirk laying dead with buildings all around. Gary says Kirk will run out of minions, but Kirk points out that with infinite possible dimensions, he will never run out of Kirks to play. Kirk is cool and collected. Gary is angry and turns over the table and the 3D chessboard. Kirk sweeps them out into the black, where the two are swiftly surrounded by an infinite number of enterprises. On Kirk's order, they all fire the phasers on both of them. After the massive explosions of energy, Kirk rematerializes as himself, and he is on the bridge of the Endeavor, like he never left. The crew that surrounds him act as if nothing interesting has happened today, but Kirk remembers it all. Kirk leaves for his ready room, where a voice speaks to him. It's Gary. He did not let Kirk take himself out of the game. He thinks Kirk is humbled, and for now that is good enough for him. Gary says Kirk will have to live his finite life knowing Gary is out there and omniscient, ready to end his life and his reality whenever he wishes. Kirk says Gary's right. He will have to live the rest of his life knowing Gary is out there. Kirk goes on to say, However, I am also living my tiny life with memories of all the multiverses he was able to see when he was a god. And for that, he thanks Gary. Kirk remembers one of those realities where he is a boy in Iowa, and he is running to his father, who is alive and on a motorcycle. Dad does not know where he wants to go on the motorcycle yet. He asks Little Jim if he's up for an adventure. Little Jim is indeed, and they ride on a dirt country road into what awaits them. The end. The end. The end. So now Kirk is the most brilliant captain ever. There's nothing he cannot know now. He knows every, every, the memories of every single Kirk from every single universe. Or he just knows that they exist. Okay. I think a human brain is unable to retain all that information. Personally. Mm -hmm. All Um, right. If you're God and you can see all these things, well, good for you. But I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. So I don't think Kirk can remember all these things. I think he may have picked the things that he found most interesting, but he can't possibly remember all those things he saw when he was a God. Right. But so when he was when he was a God, he was able to not only see what those Kirks were doing at that time, but everything that those Kirks had ever done. And that's how he remembered that Little Kirk still had a dad? Yes, and again, I think though he saw everything when he was a god, I don't see how he could possibly retain all that when he became a human again. Mm. But maybe there are specific memories that it was like, wow, that's going to stick with me. Right. Um, And of course, a memory of his father that he never knew. Sure, that's going to stick with you. Sure. So, 
I don't know. It just kind of reminded me of when Seven of Nine got disconnected from the Borg. Yet yeah. she still retained everything the Borg ever knew about everything, uh, which I always never liked. Well, yeah. And plus, though she used it once in a while, she would have knowledge of some things they came upon. It's Wouldn't she know even more? I mean, She should know everything. Yeah, what about Transwarp? Or what do they use? Not Transwarp. They used... Uh, yeah, they used Transwarp. Was it Transwarp? Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, if you had the knowledge of the Borg still, wouldn't you know how they did that little trick? And then they could have used it a lot sooner uh, than when they finally did in the last episode? Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that was my problem with the end of this book, is that yeah. how much does he know, and are they going to bring it back up from time to time to get out of some sort of pickles like oh i remember plant kirk did this and uh then you know get out of that situation and i don't i just i I I don't like that they planted that seed that that could be a possibility i don't think they're going to do that any more than they're going to do um ooh, i've got con blood in me so (laughs) i have super strength or something right which he should or he should he he should have some attributes of con if he had the con blood whatever i don't know maybe yeah, well, it brought him back to life. So who? who yeah, that's such. Well, I, I think that's what they were trying to insinuate. No, because uh, because it, in the Taws TV series, Kirk almost never lost a fight, almost never, and him actually having some kind of edge over you know, you know with with some more like at least a little stronger than a normal human being because of the con blood, you know, that would actually make it make a little more sense. Uh, because Kirk was always ready for a fight, but he got it. He lost <laughs> at times, especially in that Iowa bar. Right. From Cupcake. From Cupcake, yes. <laughs> Eat the snow. Yeah. So anyways, I like this issue. I, I like the resolution, but I just don't like that it uh, – that he's – he he remembers everything. And is is it just him or does all Kirks remember what happened? I would assume that none of the other Kirks are going to remember that this even happened. Just oh, like no, none it's going to be the same. Endeavor crew. It's going to be the same thing as the Endeavor crew. Yeah. Right. Everything gets magically reset because Gary's godlike powers. Right. So I got a question. If Gary, if only our universe's Gary had got the powers, then why in that the issue uh, 15 – were all the Kirks being spoken to by some unknown person. And they all acted like they kind of knew who it was. You know, they, they thought one thought it was Q, but, but they, but the person was talking to each Kirk as if. Well, they had a relationship, but, but he didn't have a relationship with all those other Kirks. Well, or did was they? he just taunting them? Well, you know, I kind of felt like it was. So that's why I thought maybe it was Q because all those Kirks, might have had a run-in with Q at that point. Or you would assume they would. Well, yeah, you'd assume they would have had a run-in with Q. But, so, apparently only our Kirk had a run-in with Gary. Right. So, the Shat and the Pine. But let's forget about the Shat. So, right. um, so I don't think Plant Kirk necessarily has a relationship with Plant Gary. Kirk should have had a friend named Gary Mitchell in... And plant start fleet academy. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, okay, so, so did Gary say he went back and killed all the versions of himself, or yeah, that? He okay, he did say that. Yeah. Okay, fine. So, okay, well, that they do have relationships with 
with a Gary Mitchell then. Right, but they just don't know that any Gary Mitchell got godlike powers. Right. I would agree with that. Yeah. I don't know. And then Kirk kept pointing out that's like, oh, you think you killed all of them, but it's infinite, so you couldn't have killed all of them. Exactly. Which is like, that's like, I mean, wouldn't Gary, if Gary's been at this god thing a lot longer, I mean, even though he's killing off more Kirks, wouldn't he know about the whole infinity card? Right. It seems like, like, a, like a big thing to kind of like, oh, yeah, right, infinity. Right. So that's why I kept thinking that maybe the, uh, I, I really thought that the uh, Shat, the Shat version of Kirk would somehow pop in, and <laughs> he had a Gary Mitchell that also had the powers, then that would prove that this Gary Mitchell wasn't omniscient, right? And that 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 Gary Mitchell would somehow stop this one, or, or at least be part of stopping him. I, I really thought that's where they were going, especially at the beginning of this book when he kept saying, "There has to be other ones. There has to be other ones." Right. Where the, this this version of Kirk does know about the Shat version of Kirk, so yeah. maybe not that that he had a Gary Mitchell too. But I don't know. I really thought that that was going to be the big surprise. Oh, there's a, there's another Enterprise where this where where you look a little different, but you got the powers too. Yeah. Anyways, that's well, what I was thinking. Yeah. I was wrong. Well. <laughs> You want to be thinking when you're reading these things to see where things are going. It makes it more fun that way. Right. And you're not always right. Nope. So, uh, well, what'd you think? Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, I liked you the... the resolution, the let's just well, blast him phasers. I was not expecting that resolution, and I certainly wasn't expecting Gary's reaction to that resolution. Um. But, you know, when you explained it a little bit earlier, um, I, I guess it made a little more sense than what I got out of it when I, when I was doing the reading. But, um, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. It's just, I mean, if he was godlike and he had that big a thing against Kirk, it's like, well, why don't you just kill him? Just right. get it over with. But no, you decide to let him live. Okay, fine, whatever. And toy with him. Yeah, and you'll be, you'll be toying with him in the future. And just like a James Bond villain, explain your whole plan. <laughs> the thing is, Q, especially in the form of John Delancey, was – he could be very threatening at times. And, of course, he was incredibly powerful. But he mm-hmm. always had a humor to him, sure. uh, an over-the-top humor to him where it was like, yeah, there were some serious parts. But you also got a chuckle out of him too. This Gary right. Mitchell, there ain't no humor in him. He's just he's just an angry god, and um, and it's not really a hundred percent sure why he's so angry. But whatever, I just hope he lightens up when next he shows time. Up again. Next time we see him, lighten up yeah. a little bit. I mean, we don't want you to turn into in the queue, but lighten up a little bit. Gee, Mister Frowny Face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I uh, I liked it, but I did not like that uh, Kirk just shot some phasers at himself and was able to reset the whole thing. I thought it was a little abrupt. Yeah. Plus, the other Gary Mitchell didn't show up, so you know I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and the Shat didn't show up, so there you go. I really thought the Shat would show up. 
Yeah. I mean, it's infinite diversity. So I thought chat would show up. Well, and why not? Because, I mean, obviously they have the rights to use his image. Sure. They have in the past. So it wasn't that there was some kind of a licensing thing, right? No. No, I I think – I don't know. And part of me is glad they didn't because that way this Kirk is, you know, on his his own. You know, it's just – it would have been nice to have – since they've already done it once, to do it again. Yeah. I mean, it's been – a year and a half since they did it in issue number 50 of the uh, ongoing. So it's time, time for some pine and chat. <laughs> exactly. Um, I did like the little chess set thing. It reminded me of clash of the Titans. Oh, clash of the Titans. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause Zeus and, and the other gods were playing. They had little figurines of right. Perseus and everything. And it looked exactly like them. So this kind of reminded me of that. I'm sure they've done it other times, but that's what I was thinking. Good point. I wasn't thinking of that at all. I think also in the Five Doctors, the Doctor Who uh, uh, movie, where the up to that time the Five Doctors all met up for the first time, Mm -hmm. uh, there was also a guy that was moving around, little Doctor action figures like this, (laughs) some sort of game. Right. Yeah, I I think it was probably the Master, if I remember right. Probably. Odds are you're right. He pops up in most things. Yeah, I've, I've seen these kind of things, kind of sort of things before. Um, right. And um, yeah, it was an interesting contest. Um, I definitely, I like, even though it was a little contrived, I did like seeing how Kirk was starting to win again, uh, like taking out um, Nero. And Khan. Uh, and Khan. Um, so that was good seeing your, uh, your hero win a bit after being totally raw, totally uh, uh, losing in the previous right. issues. So I was a little sad that they didn't expand the, the Khan character more. I would have liked to have known more about her. Yeah. You know, out of all the villains that they introduced in this issue, these issues, she was actually pretty interesting and you would like to see more of her, but she just gets shot in the back. No, no, exactly. No character development for her. Well, it, well, what character development we had was in the what second issue, third issue. It was earlier in the in the series. Just then that she explained that her name was Khan. Right. I mean, that's that was her character development. Well, no, I mean, I'm an augment descendant of Khan. Yeah. Story well, told. <laughs> well, she was doing a little more when you know they were doing the fighting and stuff between uh, right. our Kirk and. Um, Grayson. Right. A little bit. And then now we get the orphan and Grayson fighting with, uh, with, I wish they were Lorpas. Lorpas? Lorpas? Larpas. I think think you're right. Vulcan fighting sticks. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, uh, but no. No. We didn't get that. Fighting with a stick and a knife. And then we don't get a resolution. No. Did Grayson finally get his revenge? Well, it was a battle royale, and I would have been interested to see who won, but that's fine that they left it the way they did, too. So I understand why Grayson hates the orphan so much, because he killed Ahura, but why does Kirk hate Grayson so much? Um, I think for the same reason, because I think they both love Ahura, 
I mean, exactly oh. how they got into a situation like this, I don't know. But I think they both like Uhura, loved Uhura, and um, that had to be it. I mean, mm, makes sense. I mean, they they they, they kind of that. they kind of hint at a love triangle a little bit in the movies, especially in the beginning when Kirk's hitting on her in the bar. Right. So yeah. there's a little bit of a thing floating out there. Uh, if Spock wasn't in it, wasn't in the situation with her, I'm sure Kirk would make his moves or attempt attempts again. Uh, sure. But in this one. I think it actually happened, and they okay. both loved her, and somehow in the three-way uh, relationship, she ends up getting killed, and they both blame each other for, the, for her death. Right. Well, and, and the orphan does say that she took out his eye, so. Yeah. So I thought, well, so maybe, maybe that's he, yeah. her so much. Maybe he was obsessed with her. Maybe she wasn't um, reciprocating, sure. and uh, there you go. Well, she took out his eye, so that, that must mean something. Exactly, exactly. That probably wasn't uh, foreplay. I don't think so. <laughs> so I, I like the orphans, let this be our last battlefield reference. That was cool. Instead yeah. of let this let this be your last battlefield. I think it was your. From, the, uh, from the episode? From the episode. Now, wasn't that the one that had the black and white guy? Oh, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Frank Gorshwin and um, and whoever the other guy was, yeah, just some other actor you saw in a lot yeah, of other things. He, he wasn't in Batman, so you don't remember him. No, but you know, I probably saw him in Banachek or a few other things. Sure, sure, sure. There you go. So uh, I kind of like like that reference. That was kind of cool slipping that in. Um, I think. I like... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go. No, please. No, please. I really like. From an artistry standpoint, I like what a great job they did with uh, Kirk and Gary's eyes. Right. So at the beginning, you got close-ups of, of Kirk's eyes. I mean, they really kind of focused on it. In the previous issue, I was a little bit disappointed because the um, it was just white. Uh, Gary's eyes were just white. Um, and it was like, well, where's the sparkly bits? Well, in this issue, you get the sparkly bits, and I think they did a very nice job of it, making it look like the TV series. His eyes were sparkly in the other one. I don't think so. I think it was just white. Glowing white, yeah. Well, glowing uh, white. Yeah, glowing white. But I didn't yeah, see any sparkly bits. It didn't have the little glitter in it. Yeah, and maybe that's just because it really wasn't any close-ups. Right. Where we – he made a point at the beginning of this, this latest issue to um, you know, show a close-up. And so yeah. you, you saw the, the silvery shining stuff, which I liked. I think that was great. I, I think that – I mean – they didn't have much technology back in the 60s when they made um, Star Trek. But I think they got the right special effects people because they got that effect really, really well in that episode, I thought. Well, yeah. And, you, and, and I've read or I, I maybe watched in one of the special features how uncomfortable those contact lenses were. Oh, yeah. And they couldn't really see anything out of them. I mean – Contacts were pretty new in the 60s, so. Yeah. To make one that's all glittery and stuff and then shove it in somebody's eye, uh, that would have been horrible. Uh, <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I, I personally, I'm, uh, I have a thing about my eyes. I just, I can't put drops in or anything, and I will never have contacts. Um, and the idea of putting, you know, hard contacts probably, probably hard Right. Uh, and, and whatever. It's like, how, how could Brett Spiner have done it all those years? Oh, my gosh. That must have been crazy. 
I don't think we're just normal contacts. With the dye. What? They were contacts with the. He's got the cat eye stuff. Yeah, yeah, where it just colors the, the iris tan color. What? I th- he didn't, it didn't cover up the whole eye. He just covered up the iris part. I mean, not the iris part, the uh, the, the colored part. What, what is that called? The uh, pupil? No, it didn't cover up the pupil, did it? No, the iris is the colored part. So, yeah, the iris was was like a yellow tan color, but he still had pupils, right? Well, yeah, but I thought it was like a cat slit kind of thing, not like a human round circle in the middle. Uh, I was pretty sure it was still round. Okay, well, whatever. Um, yeah, it looks very uncomfortable, <laughs> and my hat's off to, to 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 Mr. Spiner, who could do that for so many years. Right. Hmm. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, I really like on the cover, one of the covers. Which one? They have um, Kirk. Uh, let's see which one was it. Um, I don't know which one it is, but one of them. He's got the um, uh, yeah okay so yeah so yeah um, on the cover one that's got the the main cover that's got the Enterprise saucer section in the background. Right. If you look close, you'll see that Kirk has a Taws um, phaser belt. Ah, yeah. Which almost looks kind of, a little bit like a sash kind of thing because it's kind of kind of got an angle. It's it's thicker towards the uh, the side of of the, your body, your side of your hip, and then it tapers into like more of a belt uh, as right. it goes across. And his phaser is magnetomically adhered to the belt. They don't have these these old fashioned leather holsters like they had in the two thousand nine movie and ever since then. Huh, I didn't know they had holsters. What? Who? Taz uh, or this? The new guys. Oh, the yeah. New, I need to watch that again. Well, in the 2009 movie, I think the main place you see it is where Spock beams down to get his mother. Um, and he's, he's, he's putting a belt, he's putting the, the phaser belt on. Right. Yeah, I remember he's thing. like getting, getting ready to go down while he's walking. Right. So, so he, puts, he puts a phaser in a belt? I mean, in a holster? Well, it, I think it's already in it, but okay. you know, he's putting the holster on as he's getting out of the pad, and it's a, a, a dorky-looking old leather holster. Hey, if it works for Star Wars, it's going to work for the J.J. Abrams well, Star Trek. Exactly. I mean, it re- I mean, it's more practical because I think in the original Taws, because all they did is they had Velcro holding those things on. Sure. I mean, they, they must have been falling off all the time. <laughs> but Right. Or they but, were sewn I mean, into the belt if they were never going to take it off. They probably had different oh, belts. Here's the be. belt where you're never going to take it out. Here's the exactly. belt where you're going to remove it. And and you could have had just a loop, a, a black piece of fabric, like a loop that it kind of slips into, and sure. then the Velcro, and they'd never come off. Probably. But whatever. Um, so I, I like that. And I, I, I was looking at it going, hey, wait a minute. He's, he's got a season one toss belt on. Wow. That's funny. I love that. Well, speaking of artwork, did you think that uh, the Klingons looked like uh, almost like Discovery Klingons? Because it seemed like they had more of elongated heads than I remember. I know that we don't see a lot of the the reboot Klingons, right? uh, Without their helmets on, right? But these guys almost had like the almost the same elongated head as the Discovery Klingons. Hmm. I thought interesting point. 
Maybe a uh, little bit towards that. Right. Now that you mention it. But they're not Play-Doh colored, so, you know, they huh? still look more like normal Play-Dohs. <laughs> Which I prefer. You prefer the Play-Doh or you prefer the normal look? I prefer the normal. Yeah, same here. I don't like the, uh, no, they're all smooth and kind of thing. No. Not crazy about it. Not crazy about the look. So I liked the artwork where the uh, shuttle got shot. I thought that was really pretty. The kaboom right. where uh, Nero shoots that shuttle looks pretty cool. Right. Um, I, I, I dug the artwork for the most part. The board queen looked really cool. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Plant Kirk regrowing. She's... I thought that was a pretty cool panel. Yeah. Half his face was still like just loose twine, loose vines. Yep. I thought Queen Queen Khan was drawn with a younger look to her. The and, previous and, issues? Yeah, the previous issues. And I think she was cuter, too. I think she was more attractive and younger. Um, yeah, so, I can see younger. So that, that seemed a little different. Um, and also, you know, I almost had a feeling of maybe uh, Queen Khan digging uh, Spock's chili. Uh Oh, really? Grayson's chilly a little bit. Mm. I think she might have not minded if he would have stuck around. Mm. Ooh. I didn't catch that, but... Uh, hey, well, it, it was subtle. It was subtle. It actually didn't, didn't verbally say anything. But I just had that feeling. Right. So I, I thought the uh, George Kirk at the end on the motorcycle was looking burly. You know, a bit like Thor. Yeah, Thorish, um, yeah. Thorish, physique-wise, but I didn't think, and, and the hair was right, you know, kind of all combed back, but I didn't think his face looked very Thor-like. Um, is it possible that maybe he didn't, or maybe it was just a choice of how they drew it, but right. is, it, is it possible that Hemsworth didn't sign away his, uh, his vises, v- visage? Uh, maybe, I don't know. To Paramount looked, or whatever? I thought it looked enough like him. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... Artistic license. Exactly. Oh, that's fine. So my last thing is kind of a, a nitpick. A few issues. We sh- we saw all the Enterprises together. And, and for the most part, they all looked like the um, the new Enterprise, the Kelvin Enterprise. Oh. With the exception of like there was a one that was kind of a plant one and one that was painted like the Romulans and things like that. Right. Whereas here, when we see all the Enterprises, they are all exactly the same. Yeah. They're just the um, 2009 Enterprise. I don't see any anyone that's different. Yeah. Well, those are the ones that are going to take his order, right? Well, I thought all the Kirks were going to take his order. Even well, I mean, the Plant Kirk is on the Plant Enterprise well, that we saw. Yeah. Where is it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that was pretty hastily brought together, I must say. Let's assemble all these guys and and sweep. Gary out to space, and there you go. So did Kirk sweep him out into space, or did... Yeah, he... he well, they were in the... They were, I mean, weren't they still in the facsimile of a of a rec room on the right. Enterprise? And then the next shot, they're in space. Right. So I, I figured that was Kirk doing it, because okay. he had to get them out into space, and that's where the all the Enterprises were staged. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was just convenient that when... When uh, Shet, when was his name? Gary Mitchell was throwing his fit that he he uh, somehow brought him out into space. But it makes more sense if Kirk did it. Yeah, and he is godlike, so 
you figure you could do it, but right. Uh, yeah, and he didn't. I it will. All out. Yeah, I will say one thing about the artistry that I was not crazy about is there was a scene where Jane Kirk was being assimilated by by the Borg Queen. Yeah, I, like I, I thought the drawing of Jane Kirk. I mean, the the, the Borg Queen was fine, but um, Jane Kirk herself, I think that was a poor rendition of her. Well, I think it's a different Jane Kirk than the other Jane Kirks that we. Well, made. it is. It is. It's just I just don't think it was particularly a, a, a good version. Yeah, I see. I see what you're thinking. Yeah. All right. Okay. Anything else? Uh, no, no. I, I think it was a very interesting um, six issues. Um, I th- thought plot-wise they went to some very interesting places, and now we've got a new omniscient being established for the future. So, hey, or a new old omniscient being established yeah, I mean, for the future. It's nice to bring him back. Yes. Yes. All right, so we're now caught up as of the recording. We're caught up on Boldly Go. So the Kelvin universe is all caught up. So, but IDW is not uh, not just sticking with the Kelvin universe. We now also have the Discovery universe. Oh yeah. So several weeks ago we uh re-recorded the first two issues of The Light of Kalis. Mhm. So we're going to go ahead and do the next two of that miniseries, along with uh, an old-school Gold Key comic. So what is it, 26? Um, I think it's 26 or 27. Uh, Find out next week. Find out next week. Yes, which one it was. It's the one after... The uh, one we did. What was... Well, uh, it happened in... I remember I didn't care for it. It was the... That doesn't narrow it down much. Oh, the devil people. The blue the, yeah, blues the, the versus blue and the, the red, red civil the blues War. versus the reds. There you yeah, go. Yeah, so it's if that's twenty five, then we're doing twenty six. If that was twenty four, we're doing twenty five. There you go. The next one in order. <laughs> Actually I think it is twenty five. It's twenty six. So it's okay. I'm pretty sure it's twenty six that okay. we're doing. Okay. Sounds but, good. So uh but yeah, I'm looking forward to the the, Kel- the the discovery stuff. Yeah. So we'll find further what's happening in the uh, Klingon saga. Um, which is Takuvma's rise to power. Exactly. So, but we saw Takuvma last in a very compromising situation where he had very little power at all. Uh, at the right. hands, his whole family got killed. Exactly at the hands of well, except for his sister, at right. the hands of his uh, sister and her, uh, her new husband. So, yeah. very interesting. Oh yeah, looking forward to that one. And then, uh, then there's also some more discovery stuff that we should be doing pretty soon, which is Succession, which is another mini series. And then there was an annual, which is all about the Doctor, uh, not the um, Stamets. Yeah, is he a doctor or is he just? I think he's a doctor. Yeah, but he's not. But the but not a medical he's doctor. The, he's the uh, engineer that created the whole slipstream. Thing. The scientist who, with his uh, partner in research, um, came up with the whole. What mycelial network, right? Um, discovered it and turned it into a a way of locomotion. So maybe we'll do that here pretty soon as well. Right. Yeah. Well, they what the annual is out. Mm-hmm. Um. So that should be really interesting. Um. And then the other one, the um, what's it called? Um, secession. Secession. Yeah. So that looks like some kind of mirror universe thing. 
I which think, is a big player in, in that universe. So, I mean, in that right. timeline. So, right. uh, that'll be good too. So it's very interesting they're taking this approach, at least so far. Rather than having a monthly continuing adventures kind of thing, they're picking off specific bits of the um, world or the version of Star Trek, the time period that mm-hmm. Discovery presents, and they're just picking off different parts of it and doing miniseries. Which is good. Yeah, just, it uh, is. Yeah, fill in some of the, the gaps that us old-timers are going to have to react. Uh, assimilate to whatever whatever they are now saying is is canon in that universe. Right. So, all right, Ken. I don't have anything else for these issues, so uh, I guess we can go ahead and close up shop and and be back next week. Okay, sounds good, Donovan. Thanks everybody for joining us on the review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name stcomic. Second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review.